0: Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 70 for Monday, December 16th, 2019. My name is Joel Duggan and hopping from flower to flower along with me, as always, is my friend Johnny. You may know him better as Pixel Riffs. Hello.
1: Hello, episode 70, and I feel like this is quite a neat number to end the year on. A uh, quick reminder that this is going to be the final podcast of 2019, and if you want to hear about our holiday traditions and a bunch of other stuff, you can, of course, listen to The Render Distance. If you are one of our patrons, you can listen to the extended conversation at patreon.com slash chunks. But yeah, we uh, <laughs> we have we have a lot of news to unpack. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about today, but I feel like episode 70 is a, night li- a nice little bow on the uh, the podcast before we uh, we depart for the holidays we will be back in three weeks time i guess because i am spending an extra week uh, overseas i'm going to visit my uh, american family in the states with my wife and um yeah so we- we're going to be away for the first week of january as well so mark it down in your diaries now the spawn chunks will be back on monday the 9th of oh wait no hang on i'm looking at the wrong section of the calendar monday the 13th of january i was looking at december there so yeah we will be away for the 23rd the 30th and the 6th of january we'll be back on the 13th
0: i'm gonna put a big bow on the end of 2019 uh 70 is a nice round number but you know what else is a nice round number 200,000. uh and that is the number of downloads that the SpongeChunks chunks just passed over hey. the last week So I wanna tip my hat to all the listeners and just say thanks for tuning in. Uh, That is phenomenal for a podcast that is not yet even two years old. Uh, So we really appreciate it. Uh, If you're curious, that number should cover all of the podcast platforms from our website to iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify. They all run off of the same RSS feed which I run through uh, Blueberry, uh, which is the uh, plugin. And it allows us to track it doesn't matter where people listen on those platforms. We get the tick in terms of in terms of the the listener. Uh, what it would not include though is the Patreon RSS feed or the YouTube um, channel where people would be listening separately. Uh, so it's it's more than two hundred thousand. Um, but it, as with most things, you kind of have to do a lot of correlation to calculate exactly you know what your stats are for the podcast. Yeah. and and that's something that we'll be doing in the new year actually because um, we normally do a quarterly hangout. Uh, after every quarter, this being the end of the fourth quarter but of course because of the holidays we won't be doing the quarterly hangout for the fourth quarter 2019 until January 2020.
1: It's also worth noting that the YouTube channel now has reached 131,000 views. Uh, which is not going to be quite as neat a number as 200,000. But there certainly seem to be a lot of people listening on YouTube as well. I think a lot of those come from our interviews with various folks from the Hermitcraft server. YouTube is naturally a, a good place to go and find interviews like that. But considering we've now got all of our episodes up on YouTube as well, that seems to be chugging along quite nicely. And yeah, I want to echo Joel's words there and just say a big thank you to everybody who has found the Spawn Chunks in the last year. You guys
0: make this all worth doing. So what have you been up to this week in Minecraft?
1: Well, you may have heard that there's an update coming out uh, or has come out and we are going to be talking extensively about that in today's main show topic and the news. But I have been backlogging a bunch of videos for my time away for the holidays and the update has been really good for that. I've been exploring bees in depth and there is a lot of depth to be explored with these uh, little buzzy guys. So I've been, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with those and designing, you know, bee hives and uh, setting up nests so that they can supply me with automatic honey production. And and that kind of thing, because I really wanted to get to grips with honey blocks quite quickly. I think those are going to be the feature that has a long tail from this update. Once everybody's done playing around with bees and and watching them buzz around, I think honey blocks are going to be the thing that lasts for a while and has a lot of potential for end game players so i figured get a honey farm set up as soon as possible so that's been my main focus over the last little while also going to try and uh have a bunch of bees fight the wither at some point i haven't recorded that yet so no idea how that goes um i'm also considering doing a miniature skyblock series inside the minecraft survival guide because a few people have been interested in me doing a skyblock series or want to know what skyblock is And so uh, I got in touch with my buddy Python, friend of the show, Python, and he um, mentioned that he'd done a Skyblock map a while ago that has a bunch of custom advancements that effectively act like a quest book that you'd find in a Skyblock mod pack, like Sky Factory or Project Ozone or something like that. So I was thinking about doing a short mini-series on that, just as some easy content to uh, backlog for my time away, but also as an intro to Skyblock for anybody who's been watching the Minecraft
0: Survival Guide. That's really cool. I'm glad that, you know, the Survival Guide is branching out into that kind of thing. Not in depth, but like, you know, hey, here's how you can get started, and here's how this is going to be different from your vanilla, you know, survival experience.
1: Yeah, the the stuff I do that's a divergence from vanilla is always just like a little showcase rather than being a whole new direction for the rest of the series, because mm-hmm. I want the experience of Survival Guide to be just like the experience of whatever people are doing in their own games, and Skyblock, while it's very popular, is a very different game mode and you have to think about the mechanics of Minecraft very differently. But we also get to leverage a bunch of stuff that I've talked about in Survival Guide episodes like cobblestone generators and how to set up farms and doing that all with limited resources is an interesting challenge I think. And I've done occasional what is episodes about things like Optifine and things which might be a little bit more um, kind of niche for the vanilla experience just relevant to java players or just relevant to a specific type of thing and i've done a one week series where i got all of the achievements in bedrock edition so i branched out into other you know versions of minecraft uh, other editions of minecraft here and there so this seems like a a next logical step for that kind of exploration i think
0: nice how about you so, what have you been up to so i have been expanding the citadel we'll say build parameters um well Mm -hmm. we're in a new build zone i've been talking about this for a long time and i finally pulled the trigger and moved out to the place where we're going to be building the modern city uh on the citadel and uh i had a massive stream yesterday Uh, i didn't stream on saturday because of course i was hosting a christmas party which i talked about in the pre-show but uh, so Sunday, I kind of made up for it with like a six-hour stream, which is long for me. I don't normally stream for that length of time, but I had lots of breaks and I was having a lot of fun. Uh, there was something very um, fresh and new. It almost felt like you know a new Minecraft world because you know I'm a couple, well, four thousand blocks away from you know where we started. Uh, I brought a lot of stuff with me. Obviously, I have a shulker box or a, an ender chest full of shulker boxes, so I have a lot of stuff, but nothing to like i had to build a place to live you know like i had to you know you have to set up a few things safe zones lighting all that kind of stuff uh also you get spoiled in endgame i've been dealing with a lot of mobs and then i realized wait a minute i i've been taking time over the last two years and i've lit up a lot of dartmouth meadows so Mm -hmm. mobs don't spawn generally much other than like underneath the odd tree or like there's only a couple places in Dartmouth Meadows where, where mobs can spawn in this new place though, (laughs) 20 feet away. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, Hey, there's, I, you leave your house at night. Like, Oh, there's 50 mobs out here. (laughs) Uh, so the lighting is going to be an issue. Um, however, I, I thought I would accomplish more in my massive six hour stream. I built a road that's all yeah that's all i did <laughs> uh you know it's a it's a it's a good road like i sent you a screenshot before the show for for reference mm-hmm. um but yeah we had to design it based on something i had designed a few months ago but we had to kind of make sure it was going to be right for the 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 area i also wanted to double it and make it like a a boulevard so there's like a a A green median that runs down the middle so you've got two lanes going one way and two lanes going the other Uh, and there's a green a grassy kind of patch in the between that's going to have trees and stuff Mm -hmm. and so and i actually we learned something on stream and I, i apologize i can't remember the the twitch uh chatter's name that that did this little google search for me but we were trying to decide how to do the dotted lines you know down the road and while we understand that some things in minecraft are just not possible because you can't get a lot of sub block textures uh, you're, you're usually stuck with um, with what you've got um, in terms of uh, a full block size if you're going to draw any lines that sort of thing but we wanted to try and make it look as close to normal as we could and you have this impression of like I know what a dotted line looks like on a road you just you know you do a dash and then you do a place with no dash and then you do another dash and so I in my original test world had them maybe like three blocks apart something like that. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, it, it looks okay, but it looks a little bit cartoony. So I said, hey, can somebody look up how long one of these dashed lines is on a road? And turns out that the average light length, probably in a North American road, it's a 10 foot long line. Yeah. So it's that's just about, a, about yeah. three blocks worth it's if about, you're building it to scale. Yeah, exactly. But in my head, I was thinking more like five feet. Yeah. Because yeah. in the car, that's what they look like right? Mm -hmm. It's just that because you're going fast, because you're looking at them at such a low angle, they need to be long enough that you can see them. So I thought, okay, well, how far are they apart? And I thought, okay, this is going to be longer than I think, because if they're 10 feet long, they've got to be, you know, 10 or 15 feet apart. They're 30 feet apart. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny how,
1: how the perspective just changes completely once you're looking at it kind of close up.
0: So we did a couple of tests live on stream and we thought well that seems far let's do five blocks in between them and then we tried seven and then five was immediately apparent that it was too close together it felt like a it felt like a dinky playset, like it didn't feel like a real world scale Mm -hmm. and then so we went with uh seven and nine and so the screenshot that i'd sent you was seven on the left and uh nine on on the right yeah and the nine despite the fact that we thought we could make it better and we might have to tweak it to make it more minecraft nine was the better call and Mm -hmm. that's 27 ish feet it's closer it's the closest that you can get to the real world distance while maintaining a really easy thing to remember in minecraft which is three for the dash nine for the space and so that you're dealing with odd numbers it's going to be really easy to do and all this kind of stuff Anyway, uh, yeah, so we learned a bunch of things on, on stream the other day, and I cannot tell you how satisfying it was to just take a surface of a plains biome, which didn't require a lot of landscaping. Like I maybe had to remove one layer uh, to get it all to the light, right layer that I wanted mm-hmm. uh, and just place in an absolute metric ton of concrete powder and then yeah. put these lines in. Like it, it was a lot of time But it was so fun and so quote unquote easy once we got the design decisions made in terms of like, you know, white concrete, gray concrete powder with the five wide median. And like we decided all these different things. The only thing we're still on the fence of is how to handle the curb. But like it was just so fun. That's why I streamed for six hours because I was just enjoying so much the ability to make so much progress in so little time in terms of the scale of it. Uh, And we're only just scratching the surface. So I'm really looking forward to this modern city. It's going to be very challenging and very different from everything that I've done in Minecraft. I am, however, worried about my free time.
1: Yes. Uh, Building a modern city is really interesting because you've got to think about both what it looks like close up and what it looks like on a kind of macro scale from a distance. Because Mm -hmm. you have... You have, you know, pedestrian interactions and that's how you're spending most of your time in Minecraft. But then when you fly away from it and look at it from a distance or you just climb up a scaffolding tower somewhere, it's got to look like a city instead of just being the illusion of a city sometimes and so yeah there's there's a lot of planning and a lot of um yeah stuff that goes into that but i think the roads are looking pretty good so far like from the the angle you've got this screenshot which i'm sure will be in the show notes as well um it's it's got the the right proportions i feel like that it it makes sense from this distance and would probably make a lot of sense close up as well i'm like I, i really think that if i was just freehanding it i would have expected to put the lines a lot closer together as well i probably wouldn't have made the road the right sort of size either and it's something that i've been trying to put into my ski resort when i go back to building that is putting in sort of realistic roads and designing vehicles that look like they could fit on those roads instead of taking up two lanes just because they're a little too wide or whatever. Yeah,
0: and so that's what I did in my test world is that I designed a, a car and a truck. The car was two blocks wide, the truck was three blocks wide. And then mm-hmm. so each lane is five blocks. So there's one meter on either side of, of yeah. the, the car. Roads are actually a lot wider than that, but cars are also not quite three meters wide. Yeah, um, yeah. But then the, the tricky part was I came up with a couple different versions so like a single road that doesn't have a median and doesn't have like the extra curb space or even the extra white line because there's like there's major roads in the city here where you do have like a much larger space between the car and the sidewalk whereas a residential street if there even is a sidewalk uh, then it's a much smaller gap and so uh that was difficult to come up with what looked right and so with the with the boulevard, we just kind of went with what looked a little bit more grand, but what I didn't want to have happen was um, I pretended to walk across the street a couple of times when we were deciding on the width and the width of the median, and I just was trying to remember, just anecdotally, when I cross a street, a busy like four-lane street, how long does it take to walk across the crosswalk? Yeah. And I what I didn't want it to feel in Minecraft was I didn't want to feel like crossing the street in Minecraft felt like you were going down a road on its own. Yeah. Like like the width was so wide that it felt like it was a hike just to cross it. And so I'm trying to keep things narrow, which means that I'm also not trying to recreate New York City. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking more more big city but small city sort of idea where something like you know halifax or dartmouth where i where i'm Mm -hmm. from where there are high rises there are grid street patterns but the buildings are generally on on the like the the 10 to 10 story kind of range they're not they're not usually and that's even pushing it most of them are probably more like six to eight but really there's not like a lot of 30 40 story buildings everywhere um and the other thing is that uh I I like how Lego handles their creator series where all of their prefab buildings are either on like a 16 block square or 16 peg square, a 16 by 32, or a 32 by 32. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the right numbers. But it's the same idea is that I want to do this grid-like thing in the city where we can tell everybody on the server, okay, you have to build on either a 16 by 16, a 32 by 32, or a version thereof so that we can always chunk the blocks up into even places so that yeah. when we put in the grid pattern, you can just take a chunk and make it your own. Now, you don't have to make the building the full size. I mean, you can take a 32 by 32. And if you want to have a parking lot in front of your mini mart, then you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it allow it allows the me, the city planner, to get in there with the roads and just put them at the precise number of, of sections. And then that way, we can keep the, the city looking kind of consistent and it makes road planning a lot easier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you end up with kind of plot builds and stuff, then it, it yeah. makes a lot of sense connecting those up with the roads. It's sort of, yeah. It's going to be a lot of concrete powder, though. I hope you're ready to craft yes. a lot of concrete.
0: I'm going to be busy, but not quite as busy as the bees in 115.
1: Ah, there we go. There's our segue, folks. Let's uh, let's talk about it because Java Edition 1.15, the Buzzy Bees update, got its full release this week. Link to the changelog in the show notes. It's basically all of the features we've been talking about in our snapshot, uh, you know, coverage over the last few weeks. And it also released concurrently with the Buzzy Bees update on Bedrock Edition and Bedrock Edition arriving on PS4, which we got to late in the show last week. But there is a full release of it. It basically happened immediately, which I was quite surprised by. I thought they would have announced it a little while before um but basically bedrock arrived on ps4 immediately uh there is an faq for ps4 players that we'll link in the show notes as well and it arrived to a mixed community response there were some people who were very happy with cross play and infinite worlds and consistency being over console platforms being able to yeah link to other console platforms and just recognize that if somebody did something in the bedrock edition on youtube then that was now stuff that would work on ps4 Other people aren't so happy with the changes to gameplay mechanics, for which there are several, uh, and reporting bugs and performance issues since the update. Most notably, for anybody who's been playing Minecraft Earth, there was an issue where linking Microsoft accounts to your PS4 to make sure that they could get online and play with other players was wiping Minecraft Earth data, which was very unfortunate and is a priority that the Microsoft team has been fixing. Um, And I want to issue that with a reminder that Minecraft Earth is still in early access. And while they're not planning on wiping everybody's data and putting them all back at level one when the game gets its full release, there are still going to be occasional teething problems like this that are unexpected and come up so unfortunately if anybody is affected by that then uh that's unfortunately not something they can do a whole lot about but hopefully the problem should be nipped in the bud if not now then very soon we also had um yeah pre-release one for one fifteen point one that came out on thursday uh december 12th and that has a couple of bug fixes anything that stood out to you from this because i think it's it's mainly just a couple of technical things that needed fixing from one fifteen, right uh
0: yeah and that's, that's actually one of the reasons why we're waiting to update the citadel to one fifteen is because uh one of the things that they mentioned in the 115 one pre-release uh was uh anvils causing java language stock overflow error uh, but also corrupt chunks causing uh force upgrading a world to fail Uh, and so uh, we think we fixed them but way back when we moved the citadel from a minecraft realm to a private server we had a bunch of corrupted chunks that i think i trimmed out when i updated to 14 114 and uh but i don't want to take that risk and so with 115.1 coming so hot on the heels of 115 i thought you know let's just wait uh, Mm -hmm. before we update the citadel and so um we're gonna we're gonna hold on and see how that um, feels and, and see if I can get talk to anybody else that's running a server. I also have a patron server, Infinity Cove, and they're more than willing to to go first, I think. So um, I have a, a little bit of a guinea pig world that we can test 115,1 on. When it comes out, the general consensus from the players was also the the fact that because 1151 was mentioned so quickly, that they're just like, yeah, we'll just we'll wait. You know, we, I can mess <laughs> around with bees in a single player world, and we can wait for the you know the server updates and stuff to come. Um, but it looks like there's also uh, some optimized chunk rendering performance, especially for chunks uh, with many b- different block states going on. There's a fixed uh, error for spamming the game's log files caused by a custom spawner blocks spawning villagers. Uh, improving network handling for invalid biome ids and there's even a crash fix for the realms screen so there's a few things in there that felt like they would be worth waiting for for the multiplayer um i guess player base out there uh, yeah as far as single player world i haven't really heard any game breaking bugs or real issues um that i've seen for 115 in java have you No, not really, Um, and
1: having updated my single player world to 115 almost immediately after obviously taking a backup first, it's been pretty much seamless. Uh, The one thing I'm looking forward to now is Optifine, because yeah, I do miss having Optifine stuff. I, I mostly miss it for the sake of having things like, you know, a zoom key and a little bit more control over the visual options, adjusting fog. I've noticed the fog in the nether has definitely shrunk in a little bit to the point where I was just quite surprised when i was flying around the nether i was like okay my render distance feels like it's set to two what is going on in here but uh yeah it seems like uh everything in my single player world is loading just fine optifine by the way uh is about nine percent done at the time of this recording might have moved on a little bit by the time we publish but um there is an update going on on the reddit page for optifine reddit.com slash r slash optifine as well as on the developer's twitter account and there was a a bit of an faq on there that i thought was worth highlighting because people might be wondering how come optifine is taking a while now that they have deobfuscation maps for the rendering engine which were published with uh the rendering engine um the word on this is that deobfuscation maps are only a limited help because they come with a legal disclaimer that states they are for reference only we covered this briefly in reference to forge a while ago uh but it's relevant to optifine as well you can't just copy and paste whole sections of the official deobfuscation map in order to make Optifine but you can use them as a reference to make your own deobfuscation maps. Uh, basically, a rough analogy for this, if this is all going over your head a little bit, is when uh, musical artists sample other people's music. So you can't just lift a section of you know, a Taylor Swift record and put it in your own song, especially not without obtaining permission from Taylor Swift's record label first, but it's okay to study Taylor Swift's music and be inspired by it as long as the resulting song is your own work if that makes sense. So yeah, it's it's kind of like that you can't just use all of the information they're giving you as though it's been provided open source, but you can take a look at it and go, "Oh, okay, that's how they did that. I'm going to do it that way, but I'm going to rename certain things, I'm going to do this a little bit differently and just make sure that it's your own work and not just copying
0: Mojang's homework." Right. I, I mean I I, underst- I understand that from like from an artist's standpoint, like you know in terms of, you know, how I would also look at something visual and maybe be inspired by or borrow how a guy drew a hand or how a girl designs the hair on her characters. And then I of accord it, see if I can incorporate that um, process into my own work, but being careful to make sure it still is mine. You know, like it's I'm not. Yeah drawing precisely the same thing but saying oh well i like the number of lines that they used or i like the weight that they used on their lines in the hair compared to mine and maybe i'll change that or change the tool that i'm using you know you see someone using a brush tool uh as opposed to a a, a pen or a mechanical uh tool The the thing that i'm curious about uh with the deobfuscation maps are they are they helpful like i don't i'm it just doesn't it doesn't seem like it's making anything. I guess it's probably just an ignorant, you know, kind of comment. Is it easier for the developers now that the deobfuscation maps are out or like, does it seem to save any time or is it just maybe making it less of a mystery?
1: I think it's, is the latter. It's, it's sort of making it less of a mystery. It's, it's kind of giving a bit of an insight into the way Mojang codes and obfuscate stuff so that mod makers can just kind of puzzle their way through it a little bit easier it's kind of like being given i mean think of it in terms as like a a real map it's like you're you're being given a real map of the area and you're being told you know memorize these locations but don't have the map on you when you go to find stuff in this area or something like that i guess it's it's kind of a hazy thing to really draw analogies for and not being you know modders and coders ourselves then we yeah, we're, <laughs> we're not quite well, certain how it folds into the workflow for developing mods like this.
0: A map is a good, is a good example, actually. I would imagine similar to a treasure map in Minecraft where it, here's the map and it's revealed. There's the X, you know, that's where it is. Whereas the obfuscated map would be you have to, fog of the fog is on. Like you can't see more than the circle around you. You have to actually yep. walk around and, and, and uh, load in the map before it actually works. Um, that might be the best comparison. I imagine it's maybe that there's less trial and error. So maybe in, in it doesn't really change the length of time it takes to write the code but maybe it changes the length of time it takes to find the right code to write That yeah that that's sense. that's probably the the closest yeah. way of of putting it yeah, yeah. but
1: anyway let, let's move on from that yes. because we're probably getting into muddy ground in yeah general. exactly
0: if you are a developer and you'd like to write into the show please do uh let us know uh these at gmail.com and let us know how deobfuscation maps are helping you that would be fantastic
1: absolutely uh before we get into the full kind of you know, the lowdown of the Buzzy Bees update, though, we have a little bit of email we'd like to read. Uh, the first one of which comes from another JT, and this is kind of referring back to a discussion about inventory that we had a couple of episodes ago that we followed up on in our chunk mail episode recently as well. Uh, It says, hi, Joel and pick. (laughs) I like like that. Just reducing me to a pickaxe at this point. Uh, Regarding inventory management, I am surprised that so many new mechanisms are being suggested to deal with inventory when it could be dealt with by existing game mechanics. We already have shulker boxes, and enchantments. What about allowing shulker boxes to be enchanted, perhaps with a vacuum enchantment to auto-collect a specific block type, or a backpack enchantment that lets you access the shulker inside your inventory. These could have levels as well. The vacuum one could collect one, two, or three types of blocks based on the level. Uh, This provides some gates to achieve as it requires shulker boxes, and applying enchantments can be gated behind the normal use of XP levels. Uh, Great work on the show. Keep it up. Uh, JT thanks jt i i like the idea i don't know of many things in minecraft that we can enchant that do not have durability so that's an interesting one for me because it isn't really possible to enchant anything that isn't a tool correct me if i'm wrong joel because i don't know if there's anything you you can you can basically put unbreaking and mending on everything is what i've learned up to and including things like flint and steel carrot on a stick because they've got durability yeah Yeah. then. I'm trying to think of something we can enchant in the game that I suppose books are really the only thing you can enchant in the game that don't have durability as such. And they are a vehicle by which you provide enchantments to other items mm-hmm. or,
0: or you just hoard them like a miser if you're me. Yeah, <laughs> but I, but, but I, I guess that's, that's the thing is that there'd have to be a new kind. Of, so the, the enchantments that JT is suggesting would be enchantments that don't exist, right? Like they yeah, have to come I'm, up with a new a new type of it of of um enchantment
1: i'm just trying to consider what the precedent is for doing something like this it's kind of interesting and there doesn't need to be you know shulker boxes could Mm -hmm. be the first thing and they are definitely a more mystical seeming thing because you know you can keep all of your stuff inside them when you pick them up and everything it's it's the kind of stuff that is a bit more like an ender chest in terms of the mechanics and they come from this you know far away dimension so i'm glad you mentioned
0: yeah i'm glad you mentioned ender chest because i think that's a good parallel to draw because the ender chest has got this magical dimensional storage right like yeah it's got this weird thing so to me if you're going to enchant a uh receptacle like a chest then the shulker box seems like it's the perfect candidate for it because the ender chest is already kind of enchanted on its own uh they both kind of have that end you know um thing with it, you need an eye of ender for the ender chest and and a shulker box obviously you have to collect them from the end um i like the idea of enchanting a shulker box but maybe it doesn't have to be anything like super outside of the vanilla minecraft experience like you know a vacuum block or allow it to um hold uh more than like a, like one or two types of blocks i would imagine that one of the simplest ways to use in-game mechanics and a new enchantment to enhance inventory would be just to increase the depth of a shulker box like what if you were able to enchant a shulker box and increase it by one two and three lines of inventory the third line bringing it to the size of a double chest in a single chest experience that to me would do a whole lot for player inventory uh, I could put all of the stone types in one shulker box as opposed to spreading them across several. And mm-hmm. and which is a problem that I have. Like I've got two stone shulkers. I've got three wood shulkers. Like I have to spread these different type of blocks if I want to have them all on hand into different boxes. But if you had one wood box that could have all of the different wood types and all the sub blocks in it, then I think that would be pretty cool. And And it would make sense to me. Like I'm not sure what you would want to call it uh like the big belly enchantment where you just make the shulker a little bit bigger or the or the the i mean i'm not sure what you could they could come up with some fun name for it i'm sure but that Mm -hmm. seems like it would make a lot of sense like it just it feels very vanilla to me
1: yeah yeah it's certainly working within the existing framework of the game without adding stuff that feels like oh this is modded now you know um I, i did did take a quick look at the enchanting page on the minecraft wiki the only things without durability that you can enchant are uh pumpkins and player heads because they can be worn as helmets Um, And the only things they can be enchanted with are Curses, Cursor Binding, Cursor Vanishing. So uh, yeah, there isn't really anything in the game yet that you could enchant that way, but is a sort of static item. And I wonder if that's also to do with stuff like NBT storage in a way, like Shulkers already have a bunch of tags to make sure that the inventory is saved in them at the time, but then... If you imagine like previously when you renamed some things, if you place them in the world and pick them up again, the renaming is gone. So I wonder if that's tied in with the enchanting system to the point where you could enchant a shulker box, sure. But then if you put it down in the world, the game has to remember that it's enchanted when you pick it back up again. And I don't Mm. know if that that would be something that in previous iterations of the game, they had trouble kind of getting it to stick to uh, a chest inventory, you know, something like that.
0: Yeah, because the naming stuff sticks now because all my shulkers are named.
1: Yes, yeah, it yeah. does. And and I think shulker boxes were probably one of the first times they could do stuff like that and the first mm. sort of movable inventory in-game. Um, people had been asking for stuff like the ability to move chests using pistons and stuff like that. And, you know, the, and, and there are plenty of mods like dollies to allow you to pick chests up and move them around. Shulker boxes were kind of a vanilla implementation of stuff like that. I like the,
0: yeah, I like the idea of linking shulker boxes too. like, I mean, not just with color, but if you were able to enchant them and have them be linked somehow and have them work like, uh, ender chests, but not over a network, like just over two. Like, or just over yeah. the, the the linked ones that could be another really cool way to to access inventory because then you wouldn't have to have all of your shulkers with you all the time you could just or you would but you could have you could have them laid out somewhere to stock and restock but then also have the travel ones that were linked like they're, they're Some- some and sort would, of like duality enchantment kind yeah, of thing, yeah but it would make sense because it, like again it would be magical it would be an enchantment it wouldn't be it wouldn't need to make physical sense in minecraft not that everything has to make sense but like you know like it, it has that kind of possibility to it but anyway thanks jt i really i really like the, the the idea
1: yeah interesting idea certainly worth exploring
0: Carter O has written in with a 115 related email, so this is going to lead us right into our main discussion. And uh, obviously, they would like to start off by saying hello to Joel and Johnny. I play on what I can only describe as a poisonous potato computer, a 2014 <laughs> MacBook Air. Uh, Very good. Very good. Yeah. I, I'll say that's not a potato of a computer, but for video games, maybe, but it's, a, mm-hmm. it's still a decent machine. Uh, and so I only get around 40 to 50 FPS when playing with Optifine. I would say it's some people play Minecraft with a lot less than that. Uh, My render distance is set at 12, with nothing else running at the same time. Without Optifine, I can barely manage 8 chunks before my laptop turns into a turbine engine. But I thought I would chance it with 115 and see if performance had really been improved. And boy, I was not disappointed. I managed to push my render distance all the way up to 14 chunks, and still got my usual 50 FPS, plus smoother chunk loading, particularly in newer chunks where before I'd have to wait for 15 seconds for the ground to actually appear beneath my feet now that there are no is- now there are no issues at all I know some are struggling with performance issues but I've been experiencing nothing but smooth sailing this is all single player though I cannot speak to what happens on servers Minecraft has always been viewed as a bit of a hot mess, particularly for the many of us that have returned to the game recently after not playing for a while. So seeing Mojang buckle down and give the game a good cleanup has really impressed me and may well dispel the ill perception of Minecraft's performance compared to the quality of contemporary games i can imagine that you guys must be happy after going through fairly unpredictable updates through the years but i think for the returning and newer player who stuck around for this update moyang has uh, been able to impress us or at least me enough to keep us around for the long haul happy holidays to you guys and all the listeners out there can't wait to see what's in store for 2020 cheers carter thanks so much for the fantastic email and feedback carter i really really appreciate it and merry christmas to you too
1: <laughs> yeah happy Happy holidays to you and yeah i i kind of agree especially with the last bit about you know mojang kind of clawing back a little bit of the community's respect after having a, a problematic launch of 1.14 i think this one is doing better, at least for Java players. And I do want to balance this out a little bit with some of the comments we got from Equalizer It in our Discord about Bedrock Edition really not performing well after this update. Uh, there are a few issues that presumably are being worked on, but um, yeah, the, apparently for Java, a lot of people are seeing improved performance. Uh, I know my patron server has been doing pretty well, which we'll touch on in a second. But on Bedrock... Uh, Mob spawning is acting up a little bit. Mobs are being able to spawn on leaf blocks and other spaces that weren't spawnable prior to this update. Uh, Pillager patrols are spawning more frequently and in places that you wouldn't want them to spawn, like inside of villages. And some, uh, you know, growth speed for crops has been reduced or has seemingly been reduced. And there are a few issues with realms crashing and rolling back and resetting chunks and there are some particularly troubling pictures that were posted on the minecraft subreddit of people playing in bedrock worlds where entire areas of the nether have been corrupted into the overworld to the point where there is this huge bedrock box reaching halfway to build height with the nether's cavernous structure embedded in it just kind of slicing through a fairly simple what looks like a um a roofed forest or something like that so yeah bedrock players seem to be having a bit of a rough time of it so i wanted to drop that in at the start of our discussion as a bit of a proviso saying that we understand bedrock uh, bedrock players are having issues and what we're going to be talking about is mainly the java edition experience because that's what joel and i play um where for the most part our experience probably aligns pretty well with carters in that it seems like everything is you know on on the mend from some of the chunk rendering issues and lag issues that we experienced in one fourteen.
0: yeah i mean i can speak to my performance issues to kind of get the um the nitty-gritty out of the way before we talk about the fun stuff um i did actually notice a frame rate problem when i was playing in a brand new world in one fifteen. yeah uh, but i need to put a little caveat here in saying like one i was streaming at the time i have a good computer the streaming alone should not affect it however uh I have noticed over the last few weeks that OBS, I have to run version 21 of OBS for Mac. Uh, The newer versions just do not work. Uh, But Mac performance lately for me has been much worse with OBS. I don't know what it is. I don't know what setting or what thing has changed. Uh, It could be something as simple as uh, Twitch changing stuff on the back end. But um, I have some laggy issues that are related to OBS because uh, I can have OBS running on my Mac and play minecraft and realize oh wow what's going on and it's because i'm not streaming anymore but maybe i'm still playing around and i was like oh i have to close obs and then all of a sudden everything goes back to normal Mm -hmm. um i did mess around a little bit off stream in 115 just kind of like tidying up the, the world that i built uh but i noticed some frames dropping when i went into new chunks uh i noticed um I like I noticed both like I noticed frames dropping but I noticed chunk render distance being better like the the immersion in the surroundings were fine until my frame started to get choppy and it wasn't yeah. like my fr- it wasn't like I would be choppy for a long time it was less of a, a frame rate drop than it would be a dropped frame so like I right. would skip ahead by one or I would like blip and it would feel very herky-jerky as if your your mouse was strobing or something but not it wouldn't reduce me down to a crawl for like six eight ten twelve frames at a time it would just happen like the once um yeah yeah, and i've noticed that i'm I'm having more and more issues uh again with my 14.4 server uh and again i don't know whether that is hosting provider um related or or if it's you know a combination of all three so My performance feedback is, I want to kind of put this caveat out there, kind of veiled by these complications. However, I'm looking forward to the 1.15.1 update so that I can try to update one of my my multiplayer servers, uh, most likely my Patreon server first, because i've got a feeling that if i approach my server provider and say hey we're having issues they're going to say first thing did you update to 115 yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so I, i want to see if 115 solves a lot of the problems first before i say okay no we've updated but we're still having these problems and and try to eliminate you know scientifically like what might be the issue um but i i'm looking forward to getting 115, uh, one up and running despite the fact that we're going to lose Optifine for a while because uh, I like the features that it adds but I feel like the overall server performance for multiplayer servers where people have different computers I think would be beneficial to all.
1: Yeah definitely. Uh, it's also worth circling back to what Sliced Lime said in that Reddit thread about FPS being dropped in the snapshots. Right. Totally applies to this release as well. Effectively what they are doing is making sure that FPS uh, is not hogging all of the processing time it's it's not trying to reach your max fps all the time and neglecting things like chunk rendering in the first place so it will occasionally dip down to um ideally a minimum of uh, 30 fps and you'll notice a little bit of fluctuation here and there it doesn't quite sound the same as what you've mentioned with frames actually kind of being skipped um, but that may just be like, yeah, if if you're loading new chunks in the background, it may be a, a chunk loading thing is just tying up your, uh, processing power a little bit so that FPS just needs to catch up again. Once it knows those chunks are loaded. Another note, worth, another note, sorry, I should say that
0: I, I had my chunk render distance on 20 just F, like, I, cause I was like, well, let's see, you know, like, let's push it. That's I sure, was, yeah. I, I was do- on purpose. Like I know norm- I normally wouldn't play with that high. I don't even, I think my multiplayer servers, I think the chunk render distance is 12, maybe 16 at most. Yeah.
1: I think servers can only ever go up to a maximum of sixteen. I think more commonly they're around like ten or twelve yeah. server side. So yeah, like it's 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 worth noting. I think um, from from my experience at least, chunk loading improvements were immediately apparent when I updated to one fifteen. And uh, the first thing I did was fly back from my ski resort through the Nether to the Overworld. And while I did say earlier that the fog in the Nether seemed to have crept in. That was almost to its benefit, because I didn't see a single chunk loading while I was traveling through the nether, which I used to in one fourteen so basically anywhere I flew, the terrain was already visible, it was already loaded in, and I wasn't flying particularly carefully or slowly because I know my way through the nether at this point, right, so it was instantly noticeable that performance was a little better um. I noticed a few fps drops below 60 but my monitor runs at 144hz so it's going to be able to refresh in time to catch a couple of fps drops but for the most part those were brief, minor, and almost always resolved themselves once parts of the world were done loading in. Um, as for server performance, I can report that we updated my patron server um, before the weekend and performance is better the players are happy they've been reporting that stuff loads quite fast they're not experiencing as much block lag lag is still happening on the console side of things i can look at the terminal the kind of report that comes through and see that occasionally we're getting you know sections where the server is like 20 ticks behind which is like a full second behind um, but I think a lot of that is due to the fact that the server is quite well built up. There is a lot of stuff at spawn, there are automatic farms that people like to AFK at, and I think with a brand new world, we might not be having those problems at all. I think it is kind of holding on to some of the lag-causing things that were present in one fourteen and mm. has brought them over to one fifteen, especially when it comes to automated farms entities being around lots of people working with villagers probably even people finding the new bees and AFKing at honey farms because i imagine the bee pathfinding probably takes up quite a bit of you know performance um but i think they seem to be happy enough with it for now enough to say like we don't want to reset the world yet we want to see what it's like in this update before anything drastic gets done about it i've moved from paper which was a um a kind of fork of spigot which was supposed to improve performance a little bit back to uh, vanilla 1.15 that i'm hosting the server on and i have honestly yeah I-, I think it's a a vast improvement on the server's performance from previous previous weeks so that's that's very good and aside from that as far as performance goes i'm only looking forward to optifine for stuff like connected glass <laughs> at this point and, yeah. and like yeah like i said occasional bits of like you know shader support and things like that and uh yeah we'll we'll see when that arrives but i'm not i'm not in a hurry for it
0: before we move on from optifine out of curiosity do you think there's going to be a chance in the future that some smaller tweaks from optifine might be included in vanilla minecraft i mean i'm talking about the smaller stuff like being able to control the fog distance zoom key um even the connected textures would be nice like do you feel like that sort of stuff may eventually creep its way into into vanilla minecraft because it feels like whenever there's a new update to minecraft there's always that bottleneck of everybody waiting for optifine
1: yeah i would kind of hope that they'd allow a little more a little bit more adjustability i got so used to working with optifine's video settings that when i opened video settings in uh, in vanilla Minecraft once again, I was like, is this all I have? <laughs> I think when when I was flying back through the nether, I actually did open the video settings and was like, can I adjust this fog? Can I make it a little bit further away? But mm-hmm. then, yeah, I, I don't know what the deal is because a while ago, I think... Um, mojang was in talks with the optifine developer to include some but not all of the features of optifine into the game and the developer of optifine basically said no it's all or nothing basically so i don't know for, for a start they wouldn't be using the same kind of code base the, the same sort of stuff that optifine uses to to work its magic but i think maybe they are holding out not necessarily out of stubbornness but just out of a sense of well OptiFine is its own thing, and people can wait for it if they want to. I don't know if they're planning on making Minecraft that tweakable themselves, but you feel like some of that stuff would be relatively minor to implement. I don't know. I don't know what the uh, the mentality is.
0: And it's 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 the chicken and the egg. It's like, well, I mean, OptiFine is its own thing, but I mean, it's it's based on Minecraft code. Like, you can't. I mean, Minecraft could just do whatever they want. (laughs) Like, if they wanted to add a zoom key, they could just add a zoom key. It would like they it would no way be copying you know optifine you yeah. know in terms of how they execute it they just they just call it something else you know or i mean put binoculars in the game i don't know like just i'm just thinking about some smaller things like that that i feel would be um beneficial uh because i'm just i was thinking the other day like i'm going to lose my too high wheat <laughs> like my too high wheat texture is going to go away you know yeah. for a little while there too when I eventually update so yeah we'll see Um, I've I've felt
1: connected glass the strongest I went back through my nether hub where I've got glass floor and went oh okay there is a grid in this now this Mm -hmm. is going to take a little bit of getting used to
0: I feel that I've been messing around with the textures of course my texture packs are are all 114 and there really isn't a big deal to update them to 115 you just have to change the version number in the in the pack meta file um but it's uh in the process of doing that of of playing 115 in a single player world and then switching back to um to go to multiplayer this i actually found quite annoying my minecraft client removed all of my shaders like or not my shaders all of my uh, resource packs and stacked it stacked them back on the left so when i loaded up the citadel in multiplayer in 114 all of my um, resource packs were back over in the left. That's fine. There's only three, four that I had to grab and move over. But when I walked around in the world, I was like, this looks funny. Why is this? Oh, wait a minute. There's little dashed lines on my glass. That means my texture packs aren't loaded. And sure enough, all my resource packs have been bumped back over to the left-hand side. Yeah. Um, which is I fine. Wonder if I, mean,
1: like, a, I wonder if that's an installation thing. Switching from your Optifine profile back to a vanilla profile, it, just loaded it could be whatever yeah, the previous preset it, was in vanilla.
0: Yeah, and it, and which makes sense, right? Like it's loading what you had previously, which was. And most people are probably not going to be constantly switching between one fifteen and one fourteen, right? So, I mean, like, it it makes sense. And it was a mild, you know, inconvenience. It was just kind of like, oh, huh. But what it did was it reminded me like, oh, wait, not only do I have connected textures in Optifine, but I have, like, custom glass textures. Even just moving from the custom clear glass to the default glass that had dashes in it, a lot of those builds in the Nether that I've been playing and having so much fun with the last few weeks, they looked like crap. (laughs) Like, I would not be using glass the same way uh if i wasn't using custom textures for it uh so it's really interesting how those little changes really affect the way that your world looks
1: i feel like we've been talking technical for long enough i think people are itching for us to get to the content at this point because there is content in this update surprising a lot of people it seemed like it was going to be mainly a a bug fix update but we got some pretty major stuff in the form of bees now, you had a, a bit of an experience with bees on a live stream. So talk, talk me through it, because you started a a new world, right? You actually went looking for bees kind of from scratch rather than updating any of the worlds that you already play in. How did that yeah. go?
0: So this is, it was actually really fun because I wanted to try and have this survival experience that I haven't had in like two and a half years, because of course the Citadel is an endgame server and we, we just don't reset. We just, you know, update. So I tossed up a... Random survival world, uh, and explored and looked for bees. It took me 90 minutes to locate a bee's nest, uh-huh. uh, and there was only one bee. So, <laughs> brilliant update! Yeah, fantastic work, fantastic. And so, I mean, I'll, and this is the one time I've done this, so I've not done three or four new worlds and just seen how long it takes and what the average bee's nest is and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, if you do this a number of times, I'm sure it probably works out to be a better ratio, but uh because I was streaming I wasn't planning on doing that Uh, so I really I once I found the bees nest we thought okay well let's set up shop around the bees nest Uh, and this is all very early game like I mean I only had what I could carry with me Uh, you know I had found a couple of villages along the way so I gathered a few things like some potatoes and whatnot Um, but I just started plunking things down around the bees nest and building a little house to kind of get myself out of danger's way Uh, and monitoring the bee and you know we were watching i put flowers down and we were talking you know monitoring when it goes in and out of the hive or the bees nest i did that constantly on stream by the way um i don't for anybody out there are bees nests in the wild really called bees nests or they all just called hives because i've never known anything to be called a bees nest i've always thought as hives is what you call a bees nest um Anyway, so constantly on stream, I was calling them hives. Um, I collected honey bottles. I didn't make a honey block because I didn't have any redstone, so it didn't really matter. It was more about the bees' behavior and trying to use it to the benefit of our experience in early game. And I can tell you right now, uh, I didn't think about it soon enough, but I should have. Uh, in early game, when you are struggling to find food, you've got a couple of potatoes, you know, you've got a manual garden, you've got maybe a couple chickens nearby. Uh, having the bees fly to their flowers over your potato crop is very helpful uh-huh. uh stuff grows a lot faster than you think it's not gonna turn it into an awesome like super high efficiency farm, but when you're talking about stone pickaxes and you know you've only got twelve torches, like being able to get that extra oomph of potatoes that you can bake makes a big difference uh, yeah. so I, I really enjoyed that um, I also enjoyed the uh early game mechanics that we have with like setting your spawn during the day by clicking on a bed and yes uh, yeah that quality of life stuff is, is something yeah. I wanted to touch on a little bit later but yeah, yeah definitely but uh, like all that kind of stuff helped because of how long it took to find the bee like we were walking for thousands of blocks like I was into like the 2000 block range in one of my coordinates to find this bee and we yeah. would have started roughly around you know zero zero or ish like somewhere's around the early you know the, the single digits when you spawn in And so it took a really long time to find it so being able to kind of like hop skip and jump between different villages that we stumbled upon was fantastic uh it really really helped um i don't necessarily know if the bees could be more frequent i feel like it would have been nicer to find you know another um bees nest somewhere nearby i would have been okay with trying to pull a bee with a flower over you know a couple hundred blocks early game just 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 to try to get two so that we could try to make more we ended up collecting honeycombs discovering that they spray out when you harvest them from the from the honey from the the bees nest when you right click Mm -hmm. on them with the shears they kind of go everywhere whereas the honey bottle just kind of goes bloop right into your inventory right yeah um had the campfire I knew about the campfire so I set that up right away we were really we weren't con- we weren't really sure where to put the campfire so I just kind of put it I, at first I put it right underneath the bee and I thought mm, I don't want to kill any bees so let's just move it one block down and that just looked right and it turns out that that was the right place to have it mm-hmm. um, so other than that like there really wasn't much I could do because I didn't have silk touch and so that was the the bottleneck I think was that even if I found another bees nest I had already explored 500-ish plus blocks in all directions around this bee to find no others, which means that we're we're looking at like another trip and I'd have to have silk touch to try and find a nest and bring it back. So it really kind of gated what I could do with bees in this one survival example.
1: Yeah, um, that, so- that was the interesting thing for me, was a lot of people asking me, your world is really well developed, are you going to delete some chunks, like, it's going to be really difficult for you to find bees, How how tough was it when, you know, they'd come into my Twitch chat or in the comments or something, and... I had to say, well, look, I'm at Endgame. I've had Silk Touch tools since, you know, for for about a year now. I've got Elytra. I can fly basically wherever I want to and find new biomes. It's probably going to be easier for me to find and work with bees than it is for somebody who wants to start their world from scratch because I've got infrastructure. (laughs) I've got Mm -hmm. all of this stuff set up already. Whereas if you're starting at 115 and expecting to go out and immediately have a handle on bees, you're probably going to be met with a few roadblocks. Specifically, like you said, having Silk Touch, being able to move the things in the first place and yeah being able to control all of that stuff and then explore and have a base to come back to is going to take a lot more setup so it's really something you're going to have a better time either messing with in late game or if you if you get lucky in early game and you find a place where there's a couple of bees in the same nest or you find a couple of nests close to each other that's when you can actually start to control any of it yeah um, and i
0: and i think that was a piece of advice that you i think you popped into the stream at some point and 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 dropped the knowledge of um the plains biomes sunflower plains and flower forests are the three biomes that you can find bees yeah in. so if you're looking if you are starting a new world and you're looking for bees my advice would be to just keep on looking until you absolutely know that there are Two to four bees in a nearby area, and then set up there. Like, go yeah. to the bees. Don't bring the. Don't think that bringing the bees to you is going to be easy. Go to the bees yourself. Would be my 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 only advice.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And the thing is, they are in five percent of trees in those biomes. And if you consider how many trees are technically in a plains biome, it's not very many because right. the whole thing is open grassland. Same with sunflower plains. Um, you get like the occasional oak tree. Just spawning in random locations on that plains biome, but you don't really get any large forested areas that aren't a forest biome, and then a forest biome on its own doesn't spawn beehives or bee nests during world generation i'm like you i, I keep conflating the two um Ugh, i did yeah i did briefly google that because you mentioned it and it turns out bee nests are the kind of appropriate term for them and beehives are the man-made structures me, me. Oh, specifically really interesting. but 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 it is one of those things where just like the word beehive gets used because i think hive is also kind of a collective term for like you know a community of bees a swarm right. of bees as it were mm. so yeah the, there's there's a little bit of confusion there and i keep saying the wrong one when i mean one or. The other but now i'm mostly working with beehives because the thing about nests is you don't find that many you have to get honeycomb from those and then craft hives manually and that's where you really start getting a handle on you know making the bees do your bidding Mm -hmm. as it were so i i have four bee nests that i was able to find um and that was a stretch i found one of them i think in a plains biome and the other three i ended up finding in a flower forest and it was a flower forest i hadn't explored before so i had to go quite a distance for that uh, but naturally there are going to be more trees spawning in flower forests i think they only spawn in oak trees but i could be wrong i have never seen one in a birch tree uh, but it might be that they just spawn in whatever trees happen to be
0: there yeah. um I wonder if we sort of shot ourselves in the foot when I first started the Citadel because I didn't know how long the server was going to last. And once I had a crew of people interested, we decided that we were going to go with like not small biomes, but relative, like I think relatively small. I can't remember what exactly custom settings we had, but we did not go with large biomes because people wanted to have all the different resources closer than not. Uh, And the specific seed we had was the idea is that, well, okay, sand and a mesa and all this, like everything was kind of within a thousand blocks. But the problem therein is that you can't really do a great big build that encompasses an entire spruce biome because you run out of spruce biome before uh, before too long. I'm wondering uh, the reason I bring this up if you have large biomes and 5% of trees in large plains biomes, I wonder if you get more bees. Like, I wonder if it's easier to find bees uh, in, in large biome seeds.
1: I expect it would be, but then, you know, plains are usually connected to other planes that's how the sort of grassland feel of minecraft often works so i I expect that if you found a large enough area of connected planes you'd probably find one or two of them in in Mm. new generated chunks Mm -hmm. um I, i i liked watching the bees at first i think they're adorable for a start the texture is really great um i think they're a good size a lot of people have an issue with their size but i think for visibility at a distance I think it's really helpful to have them be kind of large because I think the baby bees, the small bees, are really cute and might be more like the size you would expect an insect mob to be. But we also have two meter long spiders and well, i i, I and think endermites uh,
0: that are the size of chihuahuas like come on
1: exactly exactly and so and so i think i think they are nice it's also good being able to the, the way that typically you will move mobs around by just kind of like nudging them and allowing the collision in the game to push a mob around you can sort of do that with bees but the younger ones get past you so i mm-hmm. feel like if they were small enough in adult size that they could just get past you they we would potentially be more frustrating to work with um to, to be realistic at all, bees would have to be the size of like a smoke particle. You know, they wouldn't be very big at all. So no. it's kind of nice having them as a big tactile mob in the world and something that you can easily right click on to breed them because you have to breed them together using flowers. Um, Seeing them cluster around flowers is very watchable. And I think their whole movement in general is spot on. They mm-hmm. tend to hover. Um, they'll They'll fly up into the air, but they will hover relatively close to the ground. So they're nice and easy to get to and... I think they they feel like insects in, in whatever way I can really describe that. It's not like a bat where they're moving around totally erratically and quite fast. I feel like bees are a little bit more lazy in their movement. And that really goes with what you think of when you think of like a cartoon bee. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. Well, because you, you think about like the big body of a bee kind of suspended from the, the wings as it kind of hovers around. Bees, they're not as fast as a hummingbird, but they have that same sort of Hoverability, like they don't yeah buzz around like a fly that kind of has like a helter skelter like you know all over the place bees are just kind of like you know they kind of have a more of a sense of direction i find when they're moving Mm -hmm. that they have more of a purpose behind them i'm still impressed by the fact that the the sound of the bee is such a nice ambient thing to have in the background even if you're not utilizing it for um, for honey or anything like that just having a couple of bees near your house would be cool you know in terms of of just having that you know ambient noise flying yeah. around and the and i do find it a little bit funny that you know you look at them and you're like wow that is that is a big cute bee but it doesn't sound like a helicopter that like they have yes. like normal bee noises it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't sound like it should at that yes. scale which is kind of funny. yeah yeah
1: yeah and I, I think it's interesting how they layer up as well because with one bee when it's just hovering around a flower you get an occasional zzz, and then there's a silence and then you get a zzz again but then when you have a bunch of them it starts to sound more like a drone so that's realistic in and of itself in that the sound layers up to oh, the cool. point where a large number of bees will actually produce a constant sound but a single bee isn't going to annoy the heck out of you which is really good.
0: Um, I, I know we've moved on for, from performance, but just have sort of one little, little one little note. Uh, have you noticed with a lot of bees around if there's any performance issues?
1: i have not um i i haven't really noticed any lag with a great deal of them but again i'm playing primarily in a single player world i don't know how that would affect servers and my Hmm. pc is very good so yeah i I don't know if there would be a lot of performance issues in in the same way that villagers have had performance issues which i think is mainly related to them pathfinding to points of interest which bees also have in the form of flowers and hives or nests as the case might be. I was having trouble breeding them because of how frequently they go inside of hives. I don't think it actually pauses that five minute breeding cooldown that you get from from breeding two bees together, but it definitely stops the young bees from growing up as quickly. When they go into the hives, it seems like their growth cycle pauses. So I was working with a couple of bees and a hive just so that they had somewhere to go in and out and they were producing honey and I was trying to figure out how those mechanics worked and the bee took the, the young bee took probably close to an hour to actually grow up, where it should be taking 20 minutes. Mm. And that's because they are spending more than half of their time inside a block. And so they b- effectively disappear from the world at that point. And I think it pauses their grow up, growing up cycle. So the solution to that being when you're breeding a large bee population, place as few hives as possible and spend enough time sleeping if you're in the overworld or do it in the nether or the end uh, so that you can skip the night cycle and so you can skip rain because both of those things will basically force bees into a hive at night or during rain they will go back into the block and you won't be able to interact with them at all um and, and i know a lot that of about people, putting beehives in the nether does that work a lot of people have said that the nether or the end is the ideal place to farm bee products honey or honeycomb because they apparently aren't affected by the game's internal time cycle. It is literally if they're in the overworld and it's night. And I'm not sure how that's uh. coded because they don't seem to be reacting to uh, skylight or block light. because I built a bee farm underground, same thing. They just kind of follow the same rhythm that they normally do. But it's not like... Um, it's not like villagers who will go to sleep in the end or the nether if it is nighttime in the overworld. Apparently the bees just ignore that. So hmm. it is... Dimension based, and I didn't think it was possible to, for the game to do that necessarily because of knowing that villagers would sleep in beds now that they have that behavior based on the amount of game ticks that have progressed. You know, that when you do a, a, a slash time command, if they get beyond 1200 ticks or 12,000 sorry, ticks of game time, that's nighttime in the overworld and they go to sleep regardless of what dimension they're in. Bees don't do that, oh, bees do not do that yeah so everyone was telling me when i was making videos about this you know do this in the nether instead and i went i actually just want the bees in the overworld (laughs) for a start because there are flowers everywhere and it's kind of you know a more natural environment for them but also because i have all of my farming stuff centrally located in the overworld in any case so i wanted to have an apiary by my farm that also has a stable and a giant wheat field and that kind of thing i haven't experimented much with them helping you grow crops so it's interesting that that was part of your experience being in relatively early game because I have no need for it at this point no I have bone meal bone meal based crop farms and stuff but yeah it, I don't, I, it's, it's not
0: going to affect end game uh, it's it's just the kind of thing that it's the kind of thing that you could do passively and and add to it so if you're in a new zone where you don't necessarily need to have a, a brand new nano farm or bone meal farm because you've got one way back at the at the base but you know like maybe your bees are farther away than you'd want them to be and you want to have some sort of crop thing it would be kind of a fun redstone challenge if you like that kind of gameplay to say okay how can i also put crops underneath the bees uh you know that that they will pollinate and help grow so that i can then auto harvest or something like that that could be interesting
1: It's something I think I saw Wattles do. I didn't see the video, but I think I saw his thumbnail on Twitter where he's put bees inside of a villager based crop farm so the crops in there will grow up faster and the villagers will be able to harvest them more quickly. Well, there you is go. It's actually yeah. quite a clever idea. Mm-hmm, and very I, much I think- so. I think all it relies on is just having a bee in the center, like a beehive or nest in the center of the farm and then just flowers all the way around the outside so they have to travel over the crops to get to the flowers. Nice. So it's it's a fairly simple system, right? Um, I struggled at first with understanding what makes the bees hostile uh, and it really sucks when you make a mistake and the bees sting you because then they die. Um, It's that thing of... um, I I believe this is only supposed to be really the case with humans because our skin is a little bit tougher, but if a bee stings you, if it effectively like rips out part of itself in order to defend whatever it's trying to defend, and that means that the bee eventually dies. Same thing happens with Minecraft bees. They sting you once, they can't hurt you after that, and then after a couple of seconds they die. And if you have found one bee nest and you don't know the procedure for, you know, gathering it successfully, and bees will sting you if... You try and harvest the hive without silk touch, and they will sting you if they try... If, if you harvest the hive even with silk touch, if they are outside of the hive, because you've just destroyed their home. Um, they will also sting you if you try to harvest honey or honeycomb without having a campfire underneath them. And so there are a lot of situations in which you can handle bees wrong, and you learn those quite quickly because otherwise your entire bee population is doomed. So it took me a little while to, to get used to that. And luckily, the mistakes I made a little bit later on, I had enough bees left over that I could breed up another population again. But now I'm used to handling them. It's a little bit better. Mm. There's, I nothing should start wearing... the
0: There's nothing in the game that points you in that direction, right? It's only the notes from Mo Yang that we've... And, it and... really is, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, there, there are a couple of advancements tied to this, which is something... I, I think one of them says, uh, safely harvest honey from a hive using a campfire and a bottle or something like that oh, so, okay. so it, it hints to it in the advancements but it is a little bit esoteric it is one of those things like you have to have to look up the best way of handling them really but yeah that yeah, that's yeah. kind of inevitable with minecraft's mechanics and there is so much community discussion around them that i don't imagine anybody would get stuck into bees without doing a little bit of research first unless they're a younger player in which case it's an it's a learning of opportunity yeah eventually they'll get used to it
0: question with regards to mechanics uh if you've if you are doing something where you've got a villager farm with a beehive in the middle and the bees are pollinating the potato or carrot crop as they're traveling to flowers do the bees continue to pollinate crops if the hive gets full or do you then have to still go in there and empty the hive every time it's full
1: their behavior seems to be pretty much the same. They will go okay. in and out of the hive regardless of whether or not the honey level is at maximum. Right, so, you're just
0: you're just not going to get more honey out of that hive. But if the purpose there is to is to pollinate the crops, not make honey, you've got a honey farm somewhere else. Then then, then you don't have to. There's no additional task to maintain that.
1: No, as far as I can tell, no. And you could always uh, have it shear for um, honeycomb and just have a hopper underneath it, which is a little bit easier than. Um, Bottling honey using dispensers because that's the way you automate getting bottles of honey. Is that now you take advantage of that new dispenser feature where they will be able to bottle liquids um, and they retain the liquid in the dispenser. So if it if you bottle water, you end up with a bottle of water inside the dispenser. You can do the same with honey, but Mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing where it'd be if if you just did it with an observer, you'd be spitting out uh, empty bottles every time the honey level went up by one. Uh, so you can only harvest the honey when it gets to a honey level of five. And that that's meant a little bit of variation between honey farms and honeycomb farms, which is kinda neat actually. I think just the fact that we're exploring it in that way, there's quite a lot of depth to these features. Mm-hmm. In the sense that they provide a a challenge for redstone people. They are also, you know, providing interesting blocks for people to work with after that point and For people who just like them aesthetically, the bees themselves are kind of nice. I think bee nests especially look like a really good texture. They're a very kind of beautiful block, and it's a shame that we can't get hold of more of them without a lot of exploration, because I'd love to have them around for aesthetic purposes. The hives have a texture that looks a little bit more like a cardboard box, which... Hmm effectively is kind of what beehives look like man Maybe beehives do have that kind of yes. boxy yeah. drawer shape to them so i think it both works for the purpose and is also quite a diverse texture that you could use elsewhere yeah you um, could
0: put you could put them in a, as like you know they look like the boxes that you might put on like an ikea shelf or something to that nature
1: yeah exactly I, I love the fact that the beehives have actually added more value to campfires because campfires already do a ton of stuff and they're quite nice aesthetically as well Uh, People use them for kind of trellises and decoration and that kind of thing. They will cook food for you. They have the smoke particles. And now they also are helpful in controlling bees. And I think that's really interesting. I love when an update can provide a new feature that also adds value to previously added features. Mm. There is this brilliant kind of like cyclic thing going on where they're really thinking about how the existing world can interact with the new stuff they're adding so so props to mojang for that one i think honey honey
0: blocks are a good example of that too
1: yeah yeah definitely like the 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 fact that you can have them interact or not interact with slime block stuff that's the stuff i haven't gotten into yet because i haven't had the time to design some stuff that i want to design but Mm -hmm. piston doors i'm telling you there's going to be some cool stuff going on um we know we already know those have a lot of technical promise um honeycomb is a good looking block Despite its lack of functionality, I think it's a nice addition, and a lot of people have been asking, "Well, what does honeycomb do?" And the answer is, "Well, it looks nice." That's that's kind of that's right. kind of it. But that that is, I think, the only thing about the update that I think anyone has major problems with in terms of an addition. They're like, "Well, it just doesn't really do anything." And, well, and my, and my yeah. problem
0: with the honeycomb block is that, well, it is a nice-looking honeycomb block, unless you you can't do anything else with it though. Like, it doesn't look like anything else but a honeycomb. So yeah, yeah. outside of like maybe a really weird retro looking carpet, there's not a whole lot that it could be used for. I mean, obviously if, you can use it to decorate your honey farm, sure. Um uh, yeah. but but I'm just thinking like, you know, where some blocks have more purpose than that. Definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, it just does it does seem like a one one note block. As pretty it... as it is and as, as much depth uh as the texture has, I, I noticed that right away. It's it's a good looking block, but it also really gives the illusion of not being a flat surface.
1: Yeah. And and by by the same token, honeycomb as an item doesn't have any other additional uses either it's just to make honeycomb blocks so you can't brew Mm. it into a potion that then becomes something else you can't use honeycombs to get wax that you then use to make a different type of torch or anything like that there there is potential for stuff like that to be added in future and maybe it has some synergy with the nether update when that arrives but Mm -hmm. i think that that is kind of an offshoot that doesn't really go anywhere at that point whereas the rest of the bee infrastructure is a little bit more um it's self-sustaining i think it kind of you know, brings back into itself. I've a completely bit.
0: forgot about the honeycomb block until you mentioned it. Uh, because my experience in my my stream when I was testing at one fifteen, the only thing I used a honeycomb for was making a beehive. That was yeah. The, that was. I guess
1: that. Thing. I guess that's the on, the only other thing honeycomb does. Yeah, is make mm-hmm. beehives and and beehives themselves. If you want to then produce honey after that, are actually really useful. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I've I've now automated honey. I've automated honeycomb. I think I have a decent handle on bees, and I think they're a good addition. I think they are a really solid addition for an update that was otherwise only going to be bug fixes and quality of life changes. Um, Of those, there are some really great ones, actually. Uh, Elytra activation is easier. And is better for it in my opinion it's so nice being able to just double tap space and you open your wings you don't have to time it so that you're coming down from a jump in order to activate your elytra mm-hmm. and if that's working better on servers as well even laggy ones then so much the better um i i've done a video that's going to be coming out later this week about some other adjustments that have been made and i didn't even cover everything i actually went back to that video and went hang on i haven't mentioned this this or this but it was just a neat enough video by that point that i figured i wouldn't bother um but sponges dry out in the nether when you place them which is something that happened in bedrock edition uh bells ring with redstone power now which is kind of cool for automation purposes and you know you can set up a shop doorbell that way you can have one of those bells that hangs above the door and when you walk in over a pressure plate it can ring nice. that kind of stuff um scaffolding is now a better fuel source boats are now a better fuel source you can dispense armor stands now (laughs) and i'm I'm excited for that i i haven't done anything with that yet and i didn't even mention it in the video i'm putting out but i i am looking forward to that uh i've also hooked up a water bottle dispenser to my potion brewing setup now so i have a bunch of water bottles that can Uh, It it can basically bottle three bottles of water at a time, but you can stack all of the empty bottles in there, so it's not one bottle per slot, it's 64 bottles per slot now. So it's uh, it's nice and easy to add that into potion brewing as well. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Like, a surprisingly good update considering that we all knew this one was supposed to be sort of flimsy. I think there's a lot of depth to it. It's certainly going to keep me going until the nether update with new stuff to do and just additions to stuff that's going to make what i was already doing
0: even better yeah i don't know if i'm gonna be messing as much with bees and part of that is just happenstance because i have i'm in a modern city build zone right now on the citadel so i'm less likely to be putting a bee farm there yeah You know, uh, not that I couldn't add one back at Dartmouth Meadows for a break. You know, like that's the whole purpose of having more than one zone on the server is that I get to build what I'm in the mood for. If I'm in the mood for medieval, then we go build in the medieval zone, that sort of thing. But um, I I do find the aesthetic of the bees very fun and pleasing. Like I really liked my time in 115 when I did that test stream and having the bee buzz around the garden. And it, it made it feel like, you know, this would be a fun thing to have in... You know your backyard in minecraft sort of idea like wasn't thinking too much of like massive farms uh, and certainly not so much far ahead into the honey blocks um, the honey blocks i want to mess around with the honey blocks not so much with piston doors but in terms of item transportation uh, in terms of like moving items along uh, or shifting them from one track to another that sort of thing i think would be really interesting um i know that they will also travel horizontally in different directions like if they hit a side of a honey block they'll travel with, with different momentum stuff like mm-hmm. that it could be a fun way to get something both vertically as well as horizontally moved in a place like the nether where there's no water and that could be a fun mechanic to kind of explore um i again like i'm not so sure about the honeycomb block but um i do like the idea of using maybe the honey block to do some piston doors or something like that for sci-fi or some some fun facilities here and there the quality of life things i really think i'm going to enjoy the whole setting your spawn in the day with a bed yes definitely I think that's going to be especially for multiplayer servers i think that's going to be a really big a big boon um and nothing else really kind of springs out as like This is going to change the game for me. I think it's just the cumulative effect of all the little things that they've done that I think is just going to be a smoother experience. And uh, and like I said, really for me, this update is hinging more on performance than it is content. Um, Yeah, I think that's going to be the big the big question for me is how how much of a headache, or hopefully not, uh, hopefully less of a headache, it is going to be for me. Someone that manages a couple of multiplayer servers um, rolling forward
1: definitely. Well, we are going to be taking a little bit of a break over the holiday period, but for those of you who have your thoughts about 115 the Buzzy Bees update or I think 114 it is on Bedrock, but anyway, uh, if you have thoughts about either version or anything else Minecraft related, our inbox is obviously going to stay open and we'd love to hear your thoughts and get back to some of those in the new year. But that is going to be it for the Spawn Chunks for 2019. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com The music for the show is composed by me and The Spawn Chunks is proud as ever to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show why not put a, why not consider putting some value back in? It's the season of giving after all and we would like to give your attention to patreon.com slash chunks, where you can join our community of 148 patrons which is another increase from last week. Thank you guys all so much for your support pledging at any level there gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat where i'm sure a lively discussion will be happening about 115 and the recent changes special thanks this week go to our content engineers cameron Sigelski, greener canuck jd williamson and yitz
0: for their support on this episode speaking of the patreon page i want to make a note that we do charge patrons on a per episode basis so on holiday months, like December into January, uh, there's actually less of a charge because we don't post four episodes for the month. So just if people are wondering, oh, wait a minute, this this number seems different than normal. It's because you're not being charged for weeks that we don't make a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the sharing of the sh- podcast, however, is a fantastic way to bring friends into the show. You can also tell them about the Patreon page because sometimes they, people are not familiar with, the, with that website and it obviously helps us out quite a bit. But you can find us at the Chunks on Twitter and Instagram too quickly share the podcast. But as you're out over the holidays and having around the punch bowl and the eggnog, please tell friends about the show in person. It is the best way for people to find new listeners, uh, for us to find new listeners and for people to find the show. Word of mouth is is a fantastic way to spread the word. You can email the show, as Johnny mentioned, at thesponchunks at gmail.com and find us on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. You can also find the RSS feed on thesponchunks.com And the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page, and that is where you can get the extended version of the podcast. We call it the Render Distance. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs,
1: and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs where I attempt to make sense of bees in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I'll be taking a break from Twitch streams over the holidays because I'm out of the office but drop a follow if you want to see what I'm up to in the new year. I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that all of my holiday photos will be posted on Twitter and Instagram at Pixelriffs. Joel where can people find you online?
0: Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me in 2020, just drop me a line there, and we can work out the details. If you like this show, you may also like the Citadel Cafe. It's a podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. We're recording our last episode of 2019 this week on Wednesday, and it's my holiday roundtable where I get a bunch of friends that have been coming by the podcast over the course of the year to just kind of pop in for the evening and have a little chat about what they've been up to in their nerdy lives. You can follow me on YouTube twitch twitter and instagram it's all easy just my name joel duggan i am going to point you towards twitch i'm going to be taking some time off over the holidays but it might not mean less twitch streams it might actually mean more because i'm going to have more time to relax and hopefully hang out with you guys so check it out over there we're having a lot of fun in no man's sky and of course we're having a lot of fun in the new city build in uh, minecraft thanks for visiting the spawn chunks the world outside is infinite and if you're clearing
1: snow off your driveway make sure the shovel has mending happy holidays